Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. Today is Thursday. It is February 10th, and we are back with another episode of Destination Different. The love letters are just pouring in, one after another after another, people confessing their love for the Destination Different podcast. If you missed last week's episode, this podcast that you're listening to right now, Destination Different, has been submitted into a contest called Podcash where they're trying to support up-and-coming podcasters, new, young, not-top-of-the-chart podcasters, and give them sponsorship money. I think I can win this thing. We have been going at Destination Different for 116 episodes now. I've had amazing guest after amazing guest. I am not a great host, but I am not a terrible host either. And I think that we can win this contest. But one of the submissions, one of the criteria that I'm being judged by is the quality of the love letters that are written in to the panel of judges. So you will find in the link, the description of the show, you will find where you can submit a love letter if you have not already, but they have been pouring in. They've been absolutely pouring in. I can't thank everybody enough who have already written love letters. We need more. Submissions are open till March 4th. We got plenty of time. I'm going to keep plubbing, plubbing. I'm going to keep plugging this every single week during the month of February, more love letters. I might even start giving away money just so I can get more love letters. I'm addicted to love letters. But if you haven't already, I really would appreciate the support and the help of winning this contest. So go to the link in the description and write destination different, a love letter. That's my plug for the start. Not only do we have a contest submission we have a fantastic, fantastic guest on this week's show. So my guest on this week's show, she is a performer. She is a writer. She is a producer. She is a director. She is a comedian. She is a singer. She is a songwriter. She just about does it all. So my guest on this week's show, her name is Rose Kelso, and she is professionally at least a writer and director at Comedy Central. Just very casual, very, very casual. But she's also a incredible performer and comedian and just an all-around hilarious human being. I say this, I truly mean this with the most respect and as the biggest compliment in the entire world. She's got a wild brain. She is just a beautiful, beautiful brain. And it was such a treat getting the chance to talk to her because she just keeps you laughing for the entirety of an hour. So I will shut up and won't explain any more about her because we'll get into it in full detail over the course of this interview. But I'm very, very excited to introduce you to Rose Kelso on this week's Destination Different. I hope you enjoy.
I'm a fucking mess. Is this the eighth floor? No, uh, sorry. I, I don't know where that came from. I would say I'm a really cool gal, um, comedy writer at Comedy Central. Um, TikTok as a hobby, but it's now consuming my life. And avid runner. And that's probably all I'd say. All right. I like that. My first, you say, you put me in perfectly to my first actual real question for you. Is your, is your voice just constantly hoarse? <laughs> no, it's really hoarse right now though. Um, I went on a little birthday weekend, not my birthday, but a friend's and we were screaming the whole time. So I'm definitely like in that, that perfect spot of wheeziness. You know, I love when my voice gets raspy. I think I sound. But I, I mean, it's amazing. You watch all your videos and like you can put on, you put on different accents. The, uh, the volume is always at like a hundred. You're, you're, you know, you, yeah. you kind of flex it. I was curious if, if the throat takes a beating. I, I mean, it definitely does, but it's almost like, I think I've calloused my throat. Like, you know, when your feet are just like rocks. <laughs> so I think my voice is kind of used to it. It's like, oh, okay. Here comes the damage again. So okay, all right, yeah. I, I mean, it was. I, it just is. It's part of. It's part of you. It's part of your character. Right. Um, so I, I want to maybe take a step back in time. Go back to sort of the beginning-ish of your of your career. Like, did you always want to get into comedy writing? Did you always sort of know this was your thing? I mean, you went to went to NYU. You know, you studied that. So was that like always? Yep, that's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely since I was a kid, I all, I wanted to do, I mean, when I, when you're a kid, you're not like, I want to write TikTok content at Comedy Central, but, but I, I just always loved making people laugh. Um, always loved singing funny songs. And that is, it just never changed. So here I am. And there was never any, never any doubt like that. That was, that was the career path. There was one in high school when they kind of like go hard on you for like, oh my God, college is coming up. Like you got to pick your career path. I don't think I had realized that comedy would be possible professionally. So for a short period of time, I almost professionally studied jazz piano and that was going to be the thing I did, but I didn't like listening to jazz. Uh, I was like, I gotta figure out what I want to do. And yeah. See, I would not, I would not have even known that like comedy writing was a career path at 15 years old. Yeah. I I didn't know either. Um, because to a lot of people it's not, and it seems like so far-fetched. Um, but now that I'm in it, it actually, it feels possible for a lot of people to, it's like so much more monetized now than maybe it was in 10 years ago, you know? Yeah. And do you have, do you have any of those? Like, I feel like you, you know, you watch comedians now and they'll do the, the highlight reel from when they were like six, like performing in their living room or like, you know, their high school play or whatever. Like, are there, are there clips you look back on? You're like, okay, yeah. I, I started this from a very early age. Yeah. The thing that my mom always likes to reference is, uh, and I don't have any memory of this obviously, but when I was like, really little like three four whenever you first just like start walking maybe that's two I don't know I used to um take pots from the kitchen and then stand in them and I would call people over like we're like 
gutturally scream like a kid would. And they would come over and I'd put my binky in and I'd wink. And it was like, just like a little thing. So I think that's like my, it was, I don't know, it was like my personality maybe. That, that was the early start of your performance, your yeah. performance comedy. Um, attention. <laughs> and as you, as you like got older and you got, you get into school and stuff, like you had some seemingly some like awesome internship opportunities. You know, you worked at SNL, you worked at like Sony, like you worked at, I think Buzzfeed too. How did you, what is the opportunity to get into the door there? Cause I think so many like normal minded, okay, I'm going to work a nine to five and like, you know, you, you sign up for the internship and that's that, like you have a very clear idea of how to do that. But in this comedy space, like how did you know, and how did you like kind of get your foot in the door at those you know, prestigious places? Well, I, um, that's a great question. I came into college kind of with like this looming sense of fear because I was majoring in film and television. And so I, or I sort of knew or like felt in my heart that it wasn't going to be as easy as like, just go to college, graduate, you'll get a job. Um, I was always very concerned with like, how am I going to get a job? So I worked throughout college and I think like the names I was attracted to those companies because of the names or because of what they did or because of the posting. Um, but I only got to, or those opportunities because like one thing would lead to the next kind of, it almost felt like a snowball rolling down a a hill, Mm -hmm. um, and turning into a big snowball. So, so like I had started off just like got really lucky and found a position as a PA on the Jim Gaffigan show for the costume department. And they didn't realize how old I was. And my boss was also very young at the time. So she just like wanted the help. And that allowed me to get to the next place, which got me to the next place and so on and so forth. Um, So it was, it felt like a mix of luck. And then like, I just knew I wanted to experience a bunch of different things. So I wouldn't go out in the world and be like, what do I do? All right. I like that. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting to me because what you just said, I've done a hundred plus of these now, and it's kind of similar to what everybody says. Like, you don't think it's a big monumental thing at the time, like one little kind of starting point. Mm-hmm. And then you, you get to that accomplishment and it's like, all right, what's the next thing? And it sort of just like builds, builds on itself. So it's, it's very, very true. So on the Jim Gaffigan show, as the, you said you were in the design, like prop department base, like set. It was a costume. Costume design. Costume okay. design. Mm-hmm. And you still, to this day, like I, I imagine as you're now like producing shows and you're writing, like that's still a big part of what you do. Do you do enjoy that? Like behind the seat, like more behind the scenesy type stuff where it's, you know, costume, makeup, set design, locate, you know, location stuff. Like, do you enjoy that piece as much as the writing and the actual like being on camera? I, I wouldn't say as much, um, but I do enjoy it. Like my, my favorite thing in the world is writing and being able to perform like that just feels so good in every possible way for me. Um, but in the years before where my work was solely behind the scenes, like it felt great too. It was just different. And I, it kept me wanting more, but now I'm at a place where like, I have exactly kind of what I want and I'm very happy where I am. Yeah. 
And so during that time, as you're kind of like working the kind of behind the scenes grind, if you will, were you still writing every day and, and writing sketches? And like, what was that sort of like creation process for yourself that was going on to get you to the point where you're now like doing it full time? That's a good question. I actually wasn't so committed as a writer because I was so, I mean, I, I definitely was writing, but I, I'm not like as disciplined as a really good writer would be. Like there are writers out there who like love writing to a level that they get up and they have to write. And I never really adopted that as a part of my routine. Um, and at the time, I think I was a little more conscious about what people thought. So I was really trying, I would like express that creativity through photography where, um, and I was try, I was like getting some commercial opportunities for photos and I was just putting that in there because somehow it felt more acceptable. I was like a little more, I don't know, nervous to write and perform mm -hmm. at the time, but then I got over it, so. <laughs> So tell me about that. How did, how did you get over it? Cause I think that is for a lot of people like creating stuff for the internet for like just creating in general, it's hard to put yourself out there. Like how, how did you get to that point where you're like, fuck it, I'm just, I'm going for it here. I mean, I think every time I was presented with the opportunity to perform or make something and it was in the context of like school, like, oh, you have to make this project for this deadline. I never felt ashamed and like, would gladly put myself in it. Um, and then I kind of got distracted by the whole work pipeline. And when you work at a place like SNL, you sort of feel like, like you don't want to be the funny one because that's not what you're there to do. And they don't want you to do that because you're not a performer. You're not hired there as a performer. So I sort of lost it all, then got this job at Comedy Central first as an associate producer. And I think the thing that really helped me was one, breaking up with my ex-boyfriend. I think everyone should be single and maybe we'll get into that later. And two, um, quarantine. So quarantine happened and then I suddenly found myself working for this department that was really desperate for content because uh, the whole world shut down. And I had an opportunity to write and I just like put everything into a few songs and sent them to my bosses and they ended up performing very well and they trusted me. And so that kind of turned into me being promoted as a writer on the team. That's amazing. Thanks. So I, I, I play this game some from time to time. I personally know what this is, but I need you to do a, explain it to me like I'm five of what, a producer does at Comedy Central. Okay. Well, or just even more generally, like in a in a entertainment capacity, in a TV video capacity, what would you be doing normally as a producer? Got it. So it it sort of varies, um, but in general, a producer for film, TV is like the brain behind the operation. They handle all of the logistics. They handle the money. They are reaching out to people. They have the contacts. They are like the unthanked 
person. But at the same time, if a show wins a, an award, they go up and get the award, you know, unless it's like best director or something. But um, so a producer is really just like the logical mind and a producer at Comedy Central um, is that as well. But then you're also doing, it's a smaller team. So you're taking on more responsibilities. So like when you're producing a sketch, you're probably like putting together the props, also doing the budget, but also doing locations. Like you're adopting a, every job because no one has the budget to hire all those people. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, it's interesting to hear like your kind of career trajectory of like you worked in costume, you worked in like the art department, you worked as a producer and now as a writer, do you feel like that's like giving you the, like, you now know how the whole sausage is made, you know, all the stuff that kind of goes into it. Does that help you when you're in like the writer's room and you can just go out and be like, all right, I can talk to so-and-so to be able to make this happen and, and sort of pull the pieces that way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it absolutely does. Especially because like, just like I said, um, I work on a very small team. So because they know that I have experience doing these different jobs, I can get sketches greenlit because I'll just do it. You know, like we don't have to bring other people on. And that's most of the people on my team. It's like Swiss army knife kind of vibes, you know, you know, a bunch of stuff and then you can just, it's easier than like getting someone else to understand your vision. So what were some of those first songs that you, that you pitched to your bosses that ultimately got you the writer's role? Okay. The first song. So when quarantine first happened, they started a series that is now dead (laughs) called outside my window, where we were literally reaching out to comedians to like sing a 60 second song about what they're looking out from outside their window. So I, at the time, was living at my mom's apartment and she lives in front of a Chase Bank and there's a parking lot. And I was like, oh, I should write about a song. I should write a song about a guy who's jerking off in the parking lot. And so we didn't have that, um, but I was like, I could play him. So I made my mom film me from a bird's eye view, just like jerking off in this parking lot. And then the song ended up it was called uh an essential jerker and it was about like loving this guy for jerking off in the parking lot because he was giving me something to look at and uh it was a lot of fun it was great (laughs) and that was the one that was like yep she's in she's she's going up to the big leagues how (laughs) how did your mom feel about like did you have to I mean really you weren't just pitching this idea to Comedy Central you were pitching this to your mother right how did she how did she take that pitch at first she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then um, she was super into it. Always, oh, she's a very supportive woman. So like, she didn't really blank, but she was a little nervous maybe that uh, it looked a bit too real. Uh, <laughs> but she was good, she was really hardy. She's She gets a director credit on that one. Uh, yeah. And she's in some of your other, she's in some of the, your other content. So like how, you know, she's in some of your TikToks, you know, you're, you, she's, there's clearly an, a little bit of an inspiration there. How has that been as you like evolve into this like content world of like bringing friends and family and stuff like that into your work? It's interesting because so, well, my mom really does not like being filmed at all. Like she'll rarely be on camera. So the ones that you've seen that she is in incredible, like milestones, I will be keeping that in my heart forever. 
Um, in terms of bringing in friends, I think you never want to be the annoying one at the party to be like, okay, do that again. Let's film it. But I always am. <laughs> and so they'll, they'll, you know, they'll groan. Um, but then we do it and everyone sees how fun and funny it is. And so I think everyone's kind of opened up to it, but I think the best comedy just comes from real life and like, especially your friends. Yeah. So how have you, you mentioned TikTok and how it is, you know, consuming your every waking hour, potentially. <laughs> like, how do you think about that from a content standpoint? Is there a, a strategy behind it? Is there i I'm going to go out with my friends and see what's funny to me and then record it? Like, how do you think about that on a day-to-day basis? My rule for myself when I started doing TikTok was to not put too much effort into it. And that was for really two reasons. Um, one was because I knew if I took it too seriously and like held myself to a standard of like editing things really well and writing things out that I would burn out because I have a full-time job and it would have just been too much. Um, And then another reason was like, just use it as a challenge to like, see how you can make someone laugh and like highlight the funny things in your day, you know? Um, So, I think to answer your question, can you repeat your question? <laughs> like, is there a strategy or thought or like pre-planning that goes into it? Or is it totally off the cuff at all times? It most, no, there's definitely some <laughs> semblance of strategy and thought. And there's a mix. There's a mix. There's yeah. sometimes where I, it's just like stupid shit that's coming out of my brain. And I'm like, I hope this does well. But most of the time I like to treat it as a challenge or a puzzle and be like, okay, I want to do an impression of Tucker Carlson in the green M&M. Like, how, how can I do that well and like make it look like some sort of thought out sketch without going too intense and like needing a set, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's sort of the strategy. It's like, keep it small, but like, no, put thought into what you're saying. Yeah. And are you like, this is maybe really granular, but are you for the Tucker Carlson Eminem example, are you writing out a script for that? And you're like, okay, I'm going to say this, 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 and this, and there's going to be this graphic that's popping up. Or are you just like going kind of recite, like you're just naturally comedic and you're just like going and trying some stuff and see what works. I go off. I usually, I kind of get, um, caught up if I start writing things out because like I don't know for me writing something and then reading it on the page it's almost like oh that's not funny (laughs) because it it sometimes jokes just like sound funnier coming out of your mouth than like really crafted you read it so what I usually like to do if I'm gonna do an impression like that is like I just set my camera up and I'll get into the character and I just start saying shit and then I'll go back and like redo it and tailor it that way and see but it's more like that yeah it's like Got it. so it's more editing. like playing with it it's less like okay at the one to five second mark i'm gonna say this and then like it's not it's not that okay yeah yeah um and then in your day job when you are writing more like slightly more polished sketches or there's more of a team or there's more of like a construct how is your approach the same way where you're like, all right, let's set up the camera and we'll then try this a couple different ways. Like how do you, does it vary for that world? 
It definitely varies. Uh, my work, the sketches I write for my work are take up like a hundred percent of my energy um, because I want them to be polished and I want them to be good. And most of it is music. So I have to work with like actually making a decent song that sounds good. Um, and I hope they sound good. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then also making it funny. So I will spend all of my time on that and revising it and then like making a music video for it. And those are the things that I like deeply care about. Um, so yeah, complete 180 from <laughs> what I put on TikTok. Are you in that circumstance writing by yourself? Do you have writing partners? Where are you bouncing ideas off of in your, in your day job? Well, I, that's really what my team is for. I have like, it's a team of about 12 people. Uh, and we meet every single day in the morning and we brainstorm new ideas that we're going to do. Um, sorry, if my siren is really loud coming out of this apartment. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> but hold on, let me let it down. <laughs> so loud. <laughs> Pausing, 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 pausing. Okay. Um, so you, I'm bouncing my ideas off of them. Most of the stuff I write on my own, but there are times that um, there will be someone who wants to like join in or uh, there's this one guy on my team, David Nagler, who's like an incredible multi-instrumentalist and sometimes he'll lie down a music track and then I'll write the lyrics for it. Um, but it's a lot of independent work. Most people are like writing their own sketch and then filming it themselves and planning their own shoot. Got it. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I was uh, like, and I don't know how that compares to your experience at SNL where like you always hear about like, Oh, there's the writer's room. There's the writer's room. Like people are going off and there's, you know, you're writing sketches sort of in, in collaboration, but it sounds like what you're doing. It's like, it's sort of, it's on you. It's like, it's okay. When this sketch gets done, it's cause I've, finished it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely right. I mean, I don't really know what it's like to be a writer at SNL. Um, and I feel like maybe the stakes are a bit higher, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's different in the way that there's not, I don't know. Yeah. I guess in the writing process, there's not as much collaboration, but then like actually being on set a bunch. And like when you're actually making the sketches, you're working with like every single brain on the team. Yeah. How did you, you mentioned obviously the jazz, being a jazz piano, study of jazz piano. So like, have you always been musical as well? And is that why you sort of have this like musical bend to a lot of your work? Yeah, I definitely have always been musical. And there was a time like when I, music was like the biggest part of my life throughout my adolescence. Then I went to college and sort of lost it. Like I just stopped doing it. And I was so sad because I just couldn't find the time to do it. I was so caught up with like getting jobs and focusing on my classes and thinking that college was the most important thing. And then I finally came back to it and now it's my job. So yeah, it's always been a part of who I am. And then I forgot for a second. Now I'm very happy I remembered. <laughs> do you like, do you have a desire to do stuff like outside of music or like, I mean, not obviously everything you do is musical, but like a lot of your sort of, you know, sketches and like series that you're writing on have you know the musical element to it is that is that even like an added challenge because not only are you like have to make something funny but you're like oh, I also have to make something that's like 
musically interesting. Yeah, I definitely would love to write some non-musical sketches, but I, I'm like the, I think on my team, I'm really the musical comedian. And then that does have its own place. So I end up just like doing that all the time because I'm the one who can do it. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind doing some non-music. I'm like running out of ideas. <laughs> starting to sound the same. The well, the well is running dry. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite, a favorite song that you've ever done? Oh, that I've ever done? Uh, well, this song, it hasn't come out yet, but there's this song that I wrote that we're about to shoot in next week. Um, it's one of my favorite songs I've ever written in my entire life. And it's called European Boys. Um, except my boss told me to change the title of that. <laughs> so it might be something else. But other than that, uh, there's a boomer stoop um, called Trauma. And this song is about, it's like explaining to boomers like why you need therapy. I'm very proud of that one. So. Okay. All right. I like that. And do you find that writing, you've done some stuff where you're not just writing for yourself, where you're writing for other actors and actresses, where you're, you're sort of like in a, in a collaborate. How do you treat that where you're writing for somebody else's voice versus when you're writing for yourself, you're like, I know what I sound like. I know how to deliver this the way that I want. Like what, what is the variance in that process? Um, it's a good question. I, it's honestly like, it's not too hard. I haven't run into anyone who's kind of like, oh, this isn't in my key or anything. I just, usually it, it translates pretty easily. Yeah. So I'll just write the song as if I was going to sing it. And then someone And else. even if it's not a song, if it's just like a regular, you know, you've done some like short film sketches and things like that. Like, do you find stuff like that is, is different at all? Honestly, no. No. I, yeah, not really. I, I think when you're working with other people, words on a page just kind of turn, they, they become up to interpretation, you know? So it's like just fun to see where people will take it. And okay. yeah, it doesn't feel super. Like I was watching the, uh, the doppelbanger, which you're like, you have a small, like on camera role, but it's, you were part of the, the process of making it. I thought that was hilarious, but I was curious, like that, for example, is not, it's not you sort of starring as the, as the key, key lead in that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, and that, that was made like maybe my sophomore year of college. Um, but yeah, I guess it's like when you know who you're going to cast and you can trust that they're funny, you can literally write anything and they'll just make it funny. So that's Zach Lane in who stars in that. And he was just like, he'd give him like, I don't know, a political speech and he would make it hilarious. Make it funny. So, yeah. That, that always helps. Do you have sort of, obviously your, your son sounds like you're in this role right now that you love and you're like really enjoying the opportunity to get to write all the time. Do you look, do you ever like think of like, okay, five years from now, 10 years from now, these are like other creative projects that I want to be working on or making, or they're, are there things that are just like in your notebook or in your phone that are like, Oh, I got it. someday I need to make this thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good question. Um, 
I don't feel super pressured to make them right now, which is very nice because I, for the first time in my life, I just feel very like stable and comfortable with my job. And like, I love what I do. And if I could do it for as long as possible, it would be great. Um, that being said, like I would kill to make a movie musical that's like campy and kind of shitty. <laughs> like, like I just, I would, I think that would be so fun. Like I really love those films from the seventies that like cult films from the seventies. So something that looked like that, I would love to do before I die. Um, and I have an interest obviously in writing for TV or performing literally anywhere, but I just kind of feel like if I could do what I'm doing now relative to different things in my life, then I would love to do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. It, you mentioned the like seven, are there any historical like inspirations either like as an individual comedian or performer or movies that you look at as like that is that is what your sort of comedic type is <laughs> okay um well i mean monty python huge huge um weird al absolutely tom lear louis prima the last three were all singers um but there is this director who I love with my whole being named Ken Russell and Ken Russell hardly made a film that ever made fucking sense, but he like create, so he, his, his like biggest films are, are Tommy, which is the who album okay. um, with Roger Daltrey. And that's just like a crazy experimental film that was very popular. But then he has this other film called Listomania and it's starring Roger Daltrey, which is maybe the best part about it. <laughs> and, and like the writing doesn't really make sense. The camera work is whatever. Uh, it's all just kind of shitty and you don't know what, it feels like an acid trip. But the production design and like the choices he made are, are crazy and so funny. And that's just like pure camp. Like that's what camp is. And that's what I would love to do. It's like just a feeling like he created a feeling for people to get sucked into. So would be nice. <laughs> All right. I like Listoma. I, I wrote that down. Like I gotta, I gotta do my, do my homework on that. Yeah. Watch it. It's wild. Uh, do you, like, I mean, even in your own stylistic choices it's like you have you have characters you have like even just like the way that your stuff's fit like there's there's the tight zoom ins and outs there's like just in the way that you film is that just sort of your way of like all right i'm gonna this is my style this is the way that i shoot you know there's texts and emojis popping up like is that part of your is that thoughtful or is that just like okay i like this so i'm gonna do it this way yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely well, I mean, it's a mix. There are some things that I do that I'm like, okay, I find this funny. So I'm just going to do it this way. But then for example, like the subtitles with emojis, I do find it funny, but it wasn't my idea. And I saw that it worked really well throughout TikTok. Like that's such mm -hmm. a zeitgeisty thing. Um, so that's sort of, I wouldn't say that's like my thing. It's just like, sometimes I'll see stuff that really works. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try that out and see if it works. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Like, do you, 
how heavy handed are you in the like video production of thing these days? Or is it, is it, I'm going to write this song and I'm going to perform it, but I'm sort of letting the prop choices or the style choices or the makeup or whatever, you know, let the people who, who do that do their thing. No, I'm fully all of it. I'm, <laughs> and that's just because of the, the nature of my work and the team that I work on. Like we can't, even though it's comedy central, it's like, Comedy Central has budgets for certain things and our team has a small budget. <laughs> so, so we're not getting like makeup artists or production designers. Sometimes we hire people once in a while if a sketch is like particularly big. But for Boomer Stoop, for example, like I'm doing everything. The, the backdrop, the table with the grass, the piano, the flowers, the, my outfit, my makeup. Like I do everything. The only thing I don't do is the puppet with his, it's a man named Matthew Lish who designs all these puppets. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a pretty heavy hand. Okay, I like that. Uh, and, and maybe explain to me, like what does a normal day or a normal week look like for you? I know you're on a couple of like specific series, but then do you have like an output of like, all right, I got to make, or at least got to write three sketches this week and we got to shoot one. Like what is there, is there a somewhat normal schedule for you? Uh, <laughs> no, um, it is, it almost works in waves rather than a nine to five. Like I have meetings every day and that's like the corporate part of my job is like, what's this team doing? And like, who needs help with this? But really what it feels like is my life on my professional life is um, centered around our shoot weeks. And so like we'll have, and that's kind of a, it's a relatively new weird thing that we're doing because of COVID and everything. But my office will go to like a locate either like a hotel in New York or a hotel in LA and shoot with a talent for a week. Um, and so those weeks are like preceded by a writing phase, which is about two to three weeks long where we'll, um, we'll pitch stuff that we like come up with and have brainstormed and then the influencer or celebrity will pick it. And then for the next few weeks we write, then we shoot it for a week. And then the rest of the time is post until we find out the next week and the cycle continues. So there are days that I'll do nothing and it feels very slow. And then there are days where like, I'll be inside for a straight week trying to write songs and make them sound good. Uh, so there's no balance. <laughs> Got it. Okay. It's either all or all or nothing. Yeah. And how many, how many things like that are, how many shoot weeks are you having in the, in the course of like a calendar year? Like how many pieces of output do you think you're making on average in a year? Well, last year, for example, that was the first time we kind of started doing bubble weeks and we did, did one in March, one in July and one in no November, early November. I feel like I'm forgetting one, but I don't think I, Oh no. <laughs> No, it was three, three weeks of shooting. Um, and then, so that's, uh, that turned into about like 
eight to 10 sketches, I'd say, of things that I wrote and edited and produced and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but then there are also like the one-off sketches that happen in between those weeks for like holidays and topical things. Yeah. So in total, maybe like 20 pieces a year about. Okay. All right. More, I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty impressive, that's like one every two weeks, a yeah. significant like piece of creative. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I kind of have like a bunch of random rapid fire questions here to close us Heck out. Yeah, that's awesome. How, where does the name, why the choice of Long Island Dirt? <laughs> um, okay, great question. I am originally from Long Island, born and raised. I think I felt really ashamed of it moving to New York because I was like, this fucking sucks. Like <laughs> even from New Jersey is like cooler because it's at least a, a different state, you know, but Long Island really just feels like you're on the skin tag of a really great city uh, or you are the skin tag of it. And so I was like, this might be the funniest part about me is being <laughs> from Long Island. Um, so I just kind of adopted it as my identity and Long Island trash didn't sound good, but Long Island dirt kind of rolled off the tongue. So that's how that happened. So Long Island dirt and it's, it's Rose Kelso Long Island dirt, which leads me to my next question. Do, do you think you have like a famous person's name? I would say Rose Kelso is like, that's like movie star writer name. Like that is a power name. I think. Wow. Oh, okay. Well, I like, I mean, Ryan Dunn too. It's the, it's the same vowels. It's, it's yeah. It's slab. simple, short, right to yeah, it. Yeah. Ryan Dunn. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I, well, I mean, I love my name. I've always said that no other last name works with the name Rose because it can get old so fast. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I like the sound of it. And uh, Rose, if, Rose Kelso on one end. Long Island dirt on the other end. It's like a little, it's a little yin and yang. I was just gonna say it's the yin and yang. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite character that you've ever created? Like, I feel like you have, you've got auntie, you've done Elmo, you've done like, you go, you span the gamut. Like, is there a favorite one that you've ever created? I mean, the auntie is like near and dear to my heart. Um, any kind of like aggressive Long Island woman is just like, that's the type of thing. I think every performer has one thing that they do that is just like their mask. Like they feel so comfortable in that character. They could say anything and they could, it's almost like being drunk. Like your inhibitions are just like gone. So you can like insult people and like not give a shit. Like if you're at a show and you're, and I keep saying you're, but me and, and I'm like, playing this Long Island woman character, I'm her, I'm not Rose. So I can be like, oh, you, you sound like an idiot, you know? And then, then no one's going to be mad about it. Like, it's just, you can, it's a totally different person, but it's, yeah, she's probably my favorite. Is, is auntie based on anyone in your, in your life? I honestly, I think auntie is just like my interpretation of Long Island as a woman. Uh, it's just like, she's a combination of every kooky person I've met while growing up there. Yeah. <laughs> but no one in particular. All right. 
if you had three words to describe your comedic taste or style, how would you do that? I would say chaotic. Uh, my style. Um, yeah, chaotic. I'd say friendly, which uh, is interesting. Uh, chaotic, friendly, and uh, I think eclectic, which I don't know if that's a cop-out word, <laughs> but. Uh, I could see it. I could see it. Okay. Chaotic, okay. friendly, eclectic. I, I, that paints a very, that paints a picture. Okay. Good, good, good. Yeah. I, I, for obvious reasons. I don't know if you want me to dive in to that or we should just leave it at that but those are i think those are my three words i think it's a nice picture for people if somebody's never seen a video of yours you start to understand like what what you're coming to see when you <laughs> when you show up at rose kelso's yeah. page um how many times in your life do you think you've had a full face paint of makeup <laughs> uh too many to count you know but I will say most of the time it makes it into the video that gets posted online. So it's, it's not like I've ever just painted my face. That's a lie. That's a lie. There have been so many times that I've painted my face for me, <laughs> but most of it ends up online. You're like, you know what? I just really need this red full Elmo face right now. I'm just going to do this and draw myself a bath. I was, yeah, I was actually so stressed about that. Cause I was like, if I can't figure out this sketch and I just spent all this fucking time doing this, I'd be so mad, but it was fine. <laughs> is there, is there a most obscure prop or piece of equipment or something that you've purchased on um, for the behalf of a sketch? Like, is there something that stands out as like, that was the weirdest? Why do I have this in my Amazon history right now? Damn, what a good question. I mean, one boomer stoop was called the kink song. So I had a crazy plethora of toys from that. And one thing was <laughs> these little nipple clamps with like purple jingle bells on them. Um, I have them somewhere around, uh, but that's how that was a standout for sure. <laughs> that is, that's a, <laughs> that's a memorable one. Mm -hmm. Um, I read somewhere, I don't know if this is true or not, you'll have to confirm this for me, that you are, I believe the word was Norwegian proficient. Is that true or not true? It is true. Wait, wow, okay. You did your research. Where did, I did you read that? I have no idea. I, I, I do a thorough internet stalking and some of it is true, some of it's not true. And that one, I was curious, where did you learn Norwegian? How is that part of Oh my God. You? Okay. This is, wow, wild card. Um, so I, my first boyfriend, my high school sweetheart, who uh, we're still very good friends, um, but no longer together. He, uh, he was from Norway, but his family had moved to the States when he was like 12 years old. Um, and then we fell in love when I was 17 and I ended up going to Norway quite a bit, especially because for some reason, Norwegian air, I think it's like subsidized by the government or something. So the tickets 
are extremely cheap. So I was going back and forth all the time and his family didn't really speak English, especially his grandparents. And I thought it was like such a beautiful language. So I started really getting into it and I came to college in the city. And the first thing I did was look for a Norwegian class. And so there's a place called Scandinavia House on 36 and Park. And I audited a class there because I didn't have money to take a class. So I like begged this instructor and she was like, yeah, come take the class. And so I did. And it was the advanced level class. And I ended up getting a little like certificate of proficiency, which I abused on my resume. But like, I'm sure if I spoke to a Norwegian person, they would tell you, I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um yeah but norwegian proficient it gets on gets on the resume all right yeah okay yeah that was i that was i went deep in the archives for that one um (laughs) you mentioned at the start that everybody should be single for some point in their lives do you care to elaborate on that any any sort of why why absolutely i i really do um i so i got kind of caught up with I went from like having one boyfriend to having another boyfriend. And then that was like throughout college in my early twenties and I'm still in my early twenties. I'm 24, but I think naturally when you are in a relationship and a lot of young people make this mistake because you're, you're too young to really even know yourself. And it's so easy to get attached to another person. And even if it's a very nice relationship, like you sacrifice a piece of yourself it regardless. And I think, became so out of touch one with how connected I was to music and playing music I really never played music for either of those boyfriends that's crazy that's my whole life and then to rediscover all of that it was like literally a rebirth and it's been my mission to break couples up ever since (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I think everyone needs to be single for an extended period of time, give yourself at least two years and like do what you want to do. Um, it's incredibly important to be alone. You know, I like that. I like that. I was, I, I agree wholeheartedly that that yeah. it's like, you got to do it yourself for You got to be like just with you for a little while. Yeah, you do. Um, all right. So my last question I ask, I close out every single show with the same question for all my guests. I end every show, I guess, with a sign off of stay weird. So Rose, what makes you weird? (laughs) Um, Okay. I was born without toenails, which I think is sick. I think that's where it all started. That's my, my Joker origin story. Oh, I got to stop. How is that even possible? Do do you have them now? Are you? I do. They grew in, um, but I just had little tiny little feet. And like, I think they were really tiny and I just didn't form nails or something I don't know um but the nail beds were there so they I maybe I just wasn't cooked long enough I don't know um (laughs) which would make sense but yeah the fact that that hasn't made it into a sketch yet is (laughs) shocking yeah that's just it's more of a first date thing I think okay Okay. um but yeah maybe that's my answer it's a toenail thing
is a wrap on this week's Destination Different. Thank you to Rose for coming on this week's show. At some point in my life, I don't know what it will be. I don't know what the context or the creative will look like. But I got to make something. I got to make a piece of video. I got to make a song. I need to create something with Rose Kelso, with Long Island Dirt, because she is hysterical. She is unlike any creative I've ever met before. I got to make something, have to make something with Rose Kelso. So thank you to Rose for coming on this week's show. If you want to check her out, we'll make sure that we get her portfolio, her TikTok, all that good stuff linked up in the description of the show for where you can go find her on the internet. But I think she's going to be one of the biggest performers in the world in the next five years. She just is a beautiful, beautiful mind. And before we leave, before you shut this thing down, before you finish up this podcast this week, just a friendly reminder, love letters, 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 love letters. The link is in the description of the show. I need more love letters. This podcast, I think we can win this contest, but I need your help. It is one of the six criteria, the quality of the love letters written for me to win the podcast contest. So please, 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 please find it in your heart of hearts to submit a love letter. That's all. We'll be back again next week, next Wednesday. No, we switched to Thursdays. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Destination Different. Until then, stay with. Love